0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
0: Welcome, welcome. Welcome back, friends. Hello, Playmakers. Thank you so much for being here.
1: We are so excited to have y'all here. If you are new, welcome to our community. It's amazing. You're going to love it. You're going to meet so many fun and interesting and cool people if you're not welcome back
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) we love our ogs so if you've been here for a while you know how we do things and we love our community so much and so if you are not following us yet just pause for a second give us a follow and subscribe on your choice of listening platform and then also if you if you like a good laugh head on over to instagram and check us out we like to laugh a little bit
1: Yes, we do. And we also just came out with our new newsletter. So we'll link that in the show notes. If you're interested in signing up, that's just another way for you to be a part of this amazing community. So go ahead and check that out.
0: Yeah, the newsletter has a lot of fun things. So you definitely don't want to miss out. Brittany and I really enjoyed making it. So make sure that you go and sign up for sure. But this past weekend, what did you do on Sunday, Brittany?
1: Watch football on Sunday and, you know, just It was so nice to have Drew home and be able to watch football together. I always love this time of year because, you know, during the year, you don't really get to watch a ton of football with them, but I love to hear like his perspective and talk about different things. And I'm a huge, huge, huge Matthew Stafford fan. I'm pretty sure Ashley hears me talk about (laughs) the Staffords on a daily basis. I fangirl over them hard. So I was super excited for them this past weekend.
0: Yeah, it was really cool because uh, our community of playmakers that we have like an Instagram story takeover if you follow us on there, and we got to see the behind the scenes of the Rams game. So it was really neat because now we have all these people to cheer for, and it feels like such a closer connection.
1: I think that's literally my favorite part of this whole community is meeting so many people and being like, oh, I know somebody on this team. Oh, mm-hmm. I know somebody on this team and being able to cheer for them, baseball, basketball, football. I turn on the TV and I feel like I can instantly connect with you and see your significant others and their element and kind of get a glimpse of your world. And so I think that's the coolest part is being able to have this like extension of family.
0: Yeah, it is a family atmosphere for sure. And and Brittany's heart is broken a little bit because Mr. Mr. Tom Brady is leaving us.
1: The goat. He is gone. (laughs) Okay, he was really, you know, jerking my heart around this past weekend too. Like, okay, did he retire? Did he not retire? Like, did he retire? We were so confused. But finally, you know, yesterday he did announce that he retired and he sent out a great statement although I was a little bit frustrated he didn't thank anyone in the Patriots community and I was like dude you (laughs) played there like your entire career except for these past two seasons like Give us a little love. Like yeah. we still love you.
0: <laughs> Brittany wanted like a personal thank you Brittany for being there for me. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, me
1: and all my Patriots fans, like we were really frustrated that like he didn't give us a little shout out. Bill Belichick, like he's your guy. Like yeah. he's your
0: guy. I didn't think he was going to do it. I really didn't. I thought it was going to be like the media like started a rumor or something and then he was going to be like surprise, one more season.
1: I think he was just pissed because somebody Somebody mm-hmm. got fired somewhere in there because somebody let the cat out of the bag and he was like, that's not how I wanted it to go. So I think it was always going to happen, but it just didn't happen the way he wanted it initially to. But I really thought he was going to retire last year after they won. And I feel like he probably, I mean, it's, it's good that he's retired. He's had an amazing, oh my god, amazing career. But I just think it's crazy, like retiring after such a like yeah. tough loss, like that would be so hard.
0: Yeah, I think I I definitely want to go out on top, so that's why I thought he was gonna be like one more time and I come know. back. But I do love the statement that he said about his family because you know it's like a little shout out to us as significant others. But he totally com- completely gave his family credit for his success.
1: If you've listened to sports in the past weekend, you know it was amazing between him and Matt Stafford. They both just like gave full one hundred percent credit to their wives and their family in general just for being their rock and honestly supporting them and also the weekend before that Cooper Cup his wife was thanked because she was working full-time while he was trying to make it in the NFL and now obviously he's an amazing receiver for the Rams but I just think it's amazing that we do so much in this community and like we're finally getting some recognition Mm -hmm. as like the significant others behind it all. And so you guys are amazing. Just don't ever forget that you are a lot of the reason why they are the people that they are, their careers are what they are and how successful they are. So don't ever forget that.
0: Yeah, I think that is so, so true. And I agree with you 100%. It was really cool to see like, hey, we have a voice over here. So super neat to see them shout out. And so I, Brittany, I have another random question to ask. Okay,
1: lay it on me. What you got?
0: Okay, so I was thinking about it this past weekend because I miss my cycle classes. We don't have that here in Starkville. And I was wondering, what was your first experience like in a cycle class. It's not the same once you start getting into it because it's super intimidating in the beginning.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh. My first ever one I went to Soul Cycle and I went with a friend. <laughs> and it's a cult. I'm it sorry. Is. I know that there's people out there that love Soul Soul Cycle, but I felt so intimidated and I work out a lot and I went into my first class and They didn't tell me anything. They didn't explain the bike. They didn't show me like how to set up the bike. I was kind of just like looking around at other people like, hello, like help me. And then finally at the end, you know, when they like have you unclip obviously and they do stretches. Well, they don't teach you how to unclip. And so I was like, I took my shoes off and left my shoes on the bike. (laughs) So my shoes are like on the pedals and I'm like over here trying to stretch. And it was so uncomfortable. I felt so awkward the whole time. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And I hate that experience. Was yours like that too?
0: Yeah, so my first time was in Oklahoma City at Cycle Bar, which they, again, you walked in. I don't think they're cultish, but I will say that you walk in and you're just kind of expected to know what you're supposed to be doing. And so I went in, and once you're clipped in, I think that is the most – scary part because there's no going back like if you have to go to the bathroom if you are not high enough on your seat or if the bar is not high enough like you don't know what to ask so it's like you are stuck yeah and you are in you are and so then you feel kind of like a newbie and an idiot when you're trying to like move her foot around trying to find the clip to clip into your bike so I think I looked like I was having like some issues where I was at and <laughs> I will never forget there was this song in the very first ride it was some like dubstep remix and they did like an up down like you know where you go oh, one yeah. mm-hmm. two whatever to the beat and my bike, I was like leaning so far forward that the tip of the bike like leaned a little bit forward. So I looked like I was doing like a wheelie. Like, oh my god. And then when you sit back down, it makes like a big boom noise. So, I so scared you thinking uh, you are gonna flip off your bike. <laughs> yes. I was more entertaining than the actual cycle instructor. When we were at our
1: uh event, I saw someone helping like one of the other girls because I feel like that's the most intimidating part, right? You're looking around to the people next to you, like, hello, like, are you gonna help me out? <laughs> like, hey, I need to move my seat a little. Little bit, you know, having people around you that are like going to help you out—it's so important when you go to your first (laughs) class because you're like, "What the heck am I doing? How do I get my foot in? What do I do here?" So it's so nice to have friends that actually like know what they're doing when you go for the first time.
0: Yeah, no kidding. But I will say, with our interview today, it's perfect because this cycle instructor that we had actually became a really close friend of ours and a part of the community. And so happens to be a coach's wife. She kicked her butt in cycling at our event, but we just had to interview her we did so we interviewed colleen hill and she is
1: so inspiring so motivational she was like that in the class and we were like we have to have you on her husband is a women's basketball coach in san antonio she talks to us all about you know obviously moving from she's from jersey she moved all around and she's now in san antonio and then she talks to us about um, having breast cancer and the battle that she went through with that
0: Yeah, the breast cancer journey is so fascinating to me because her outlook was just nothing other than like, this is a chapter and I'm going to get through it and then we're going to move on from it. And so it's really just so inspiring to hear how she kept Teaching cycling, Mm -hmm. like while she was going through this breast cancer journey. But it is funny to listen to, you know, Jersey Girl be taken out of Jersey to Kentucky in the Mm -hmm. middle of nowhere to learn about the new lifestyle. But y'all will really enjoy this episode and we will see you on the other side. We will be back in just a moment. But first, we want to share a discount code from one of our favorite game day brands. I swear, it is so hard to find. Clear
1: game day bags that are stadium approved but also cute. Every single year I'd purchase a game day bag from Amazon and it never failed that during the game my stuff would break and I'd be holding all of my items in my hand. And so we finally found sheer gear handbags and i have the ev with black trim and gold accents
0: yeah we absolutely love this brand i personally have the ella bucket bag with silver trim what's great about these bags is that you can start the personalization from the beginning there's the options of silver black and gold and also you can select the color of your tassel which can easily be changed out when you move Every bag
1: also comes with an accessory pouch which will hide all of your intimate items and you can customize this accessory pouch with your name or even your initials if you want to. So go to sheergear.com and use our promo code more than a season 10 for 10% off any clear
0: bag. It's our favorite time of the week. We love to dive deep into the topics, and today we have a good one because this one was a part of our first event, our, our special guest.
1: Yes, this is actually our cycle instructor from Joyride, and so we had such an amazing, amazing mm-hmm. experience there that we were like, we have to have her on. So without further ado, we're just going to let her go ahead and introduce herself.
2: Hello, everybody out there. My name is Colleen Hill. I am a cycle and fitness instructor here in San Antonio, Texas, born and raised a Jersey girl. And as you can imagine, the journey from Jersey all came at the hands of my my coaching husband.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's so interesting because when we first started planning this event, we like to go back and just kind of reflect on that weekend because it was so much fun, but we had no idea we were going to get someone that was in the sports industry to teach our class. So what a treat. And so kind of give us the background, like how in the world you got into the coaching world with everyone, and then just tell us where you've lived. So I, like
2: I said, born and raised a Jersey girl, and I was about 20 minutes outside of New York City. Spent my whole childhood and into my teens training in jazz, ballet, tap. My teachers were Broadway dancers and they brought their studio um, over to Jersey. And so I was a dancer, dancer, dancer didn't um, really take part in in, in many things in high school as far as sports and things like that because as my yearbook said, my quote was, I can't, I have danced, that's all I did. (laughs) So because I lived so close to New York and I decided that I was going to go to college but I, I commuted to a college that was close by to my house and so I was able to go into the city, take classes and I was able to audition and I was able to begin to work as a dancer. Doing um, all sorts of different um, gigs, as they call them, and. One of them was that I became an NBA dancer, which was kind of funny because again, I really didn't have a tremendous background in anything as far as sports went. And when I became an NBA dancer, there was a friend who introduced me to a guy who just happened to be in town for a little while. And his name was Cameron. And I went home and told my mom, I think I just met the man I'm going to marry, but he's leaving tomorrow to go to Germany to go play basketball overseas. (laughs) And I'll never see him again. (laughs) So that's, uh, that's how that happened. And um, so just kind of funny that the the world of dance, which I just loved and immersed myself in is what led me to the sports world. And then I met my husband and, and we got married. And yeah, about two days after our wedding, we were in a rental truck on our way to Lexington, Kentucky, which was our first move. <laughs>
1: what a story that's crazy I feel like you know you get involved with somebody and you don't realize when you're getting into this industry like how crazy it actually is and like how much you're going to move like you said from Jersey you know to Texas like into Kentucky all these different places like we're both from big cities going to small towns it's just it's interesting how that world (laughs) works
2: yeah I mean going from living right outside of New York City to anywhere was going to be a small town yeah
1: that's so true (laughs) being a dancer i mean that's a lot of work a lot of time like you know dedication into all of that like how did you kind of transition from being a dancer and then kind of into your next chapter
2: to be honest with you i was at the point where i was kind of feeling like i could probably use a break and so the fact that we were moving to lexington kentucky really to me was a moment where i thought okay this is a great opportunity to maybe shift gears maybe see what else is out there and as you ladies know when when you travel with your husband and you go to specifically i think in in the universities maybe not so much in the pro sports though a little bit but really when you get involved in a university you have this just this knit family already there for you. You know, everyone that's in there and everyone welcomes you in. And so we got to Lexington and this was before, I mean, I'm, I'm an old lady here, so we've been married for almost 20 years now. And so when we got to Lexington, it was still, we had a flip phone. We had to wait two weeks for our internet to be um, connected. So I was, You know, at home doing a whole lot of nothing. And Cameron had to go and do um, an event. And he was the the guy who was representing the coaching staff for the University of Kentucky basketballs. That's why we were there. And so I went there and I happened to meet, I mean, it's always so funny. (laughs) I happened to meet the president of the um, television station there in Lexington, Kentucky. And this is back when um, it started to get really trendy to be a female sports anchor. Mm-hmm. And so I, I met this, this man and he said, and I said, I, I'm looking for a job, you know, we're new. I don't really know what I'm going to do yet. And he said, well, what's your degree? And I said, I have a degree in communications, which is super ambiguous, like it could be anything. <laughs> um, and he said, okay, great. I want you to come over, you know, Monday morning and, and we'll have a meeting. So I said, okay, great. You know, I'm thinking I'm going in to, you know, interview to be a gopher and get people coffee or <laughs> yeah. something, you know, who knows? And he goes, "Okay, we're going to do a test shoot real quick. So we're going to put you on set and I want you to just read this copy." <laughs> like, you want me to what? <laughs> so, in in about um a blink of an eye, I all of a sudden was hired as a sports anchor.
0: <laughs> oh my god. <gosh. laughs> Which is just so fun, but wild and crazy and, you know, So what did you tell your husband when he gets home and he like went out to his event and he comes back and you're like, hey, guess what, sweetie? Like, I'm going to be on the air.
2: I I remember it was so funny because I'm reading the copy and it was for a soccer game, which I really didn't have a lot of back. And I I will never forget this because I'm reading and I have a degree in communications. I can I can do, you know, public speaking. I'm very comfortable with that. And I'm reading and I remember going because my head is spinning as I'm doing this. Like, I can't (laughs) believe I'm sitting here. And I remember it was reading for this soccer game. And it was something that the soccer player was doing. And I said, and with the heater, and I'm going, that wasn't right. And I go, I'm like, oh, the header, like, <laughs> like he hit the ball. <laughs> I was just like oh my god I I, I didn't get this job this was silly and lo and behold they were like no it's fine you're hired
1: wow that's amazing I love that they didn't tell you beforehand they just like kind of threw you in there well I think they assumed I th- that I
2: thought that that's what I was going for but of course I you know anyway it was just wild so that was a very short-lived gig though because I I think you ladies are pretty familiar with the SEC and mm-hmm. the the different teams that are there. And and in Lexington, Kentucky, there's not a whole lot of other sporting events other than Bleeding Blue. Yeah. Unless you're over Louisville, which is just like a little country on its own in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. So I mean there's there's horses and there's UK basketball. And so You know, I was working, and I was working in essentially sports journalism. And of course, the gentlemen who were all working in that—they were there for decades and decades. And all of a sudden, they started asking me questions. And Mm -hmm. oh, so you know, what's Cam say about this recruit, and what's going on about this? And we kind of decided that it was a little bit too much of a conflict of interest. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't stay on air for very long, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think it's crazy. Like the SEC is a whole different world. You know, we came to Mississippi State to it'll be our third season this year but it's just crazy to see like how much people are dedicated here and people are very invested in the school and in everything going on in sports and you know we're both not really so used to (laughs) growing up so it's crazy to like go out and be like oh these people actually like know the coaches they actually know what's going on they want to know what's going on you know it's different for us to kind of experienced that too. Absolutely,
2: it's it's really wild. And I, I remember when I was working, trying to do some stories and they said, okay, well, what you know, what is your story gonna be tonight? And I said, okay, I'm gonna lead off with the ALCS. And this was 2003, so it was Major League Baseball, the ALCS, it was the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I'm thinking this is my lead story, right? Okay, cool. No, 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 So you're gonna lead with anything with UK first. Oh my then God. Then you have to move to high school and then you'll get to the pro sports. Wow, and I was, wow. so wow.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about I would have never even thought that. When I did move here, everyone was like, oh, you know, the South, you're from Texas. Like you, is this like an easy transition? And I was like, no, no, no. I was <laughs> like, this is so different because just of the intensity, like even Texas high school football is so intense, but here it's a totally different ball game. So that's hilarious that that's what your first experience was. And I do want to talk about your role a little bit because you've always been very independent and chasing after your own dreams, your own job. This is what you're doing. And then you kind of have to hit pause and take on this new role. I don't want to say that it was your only identity, but it did it feel like it at the time when you had to quit and become this coach's wife. Um, you know what? I loved the idea of it because, like I
2: said, I was I was so independent. I really was doing a, a lot from the time you know I, I was fifteen. I started teaching dance and I was performing and. Then, while I was in the middle of all of that, I, I took on going to college as well and getting my degree. So, um, I mean, I I went years where I, you know, went pedal to the metal, and it was a really nice moment to just kind of sit back and say, okay, I'll I'll be a coach's wife, I'll be Cameron's wife for a little while because mm-hmm. you know Colleen was working really hard. <laughs> and I'm a little tired. It was nice. It was really nice, and and I had never been in that kind of environment, you know, like you were talking about. I, you know, I left New York City thinking, oh, I've been exposed to so much and there's a whole world that you don't get exposed to even though you're thinking on on one side of it. And, you know, I got to Lexington, Kentucky, I didn't even know what Friday night lights were. (laughs) It's crazy. In Jersey, in my high school, all of our football games were on Saturdays, oddly enough. You know, so here I am in Lexington learning all of these really cool things, getting to go see this whole new world that was opening up. So for me, it was fun and it was new and it was exciting. And I never really felt like, oh, but, you know,
1: mm-hmm. I'm
2: not who I was when we left Jersey. I was, I was totally fine with that. Yeah. That's
1: awesome. What was the hardest part then for you? Like with this whole transition, what or what has been the hardest part for you?
2: I I would say long-term, the
1: hardest part is that my whole family
2: stayed in Jersey. Um, Mm -hmm. That's my sisters and my mom. They all live within a mile of each other in my hometown. (laughs) So yeah, you know, obviously basketball season rolls right over Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm -hmm. So we don't ever go home for those holidays. And, you know, so most of the time it's just the four of us, um, unless we have players in town and (laughs) and then they're hanging out with us. So that's probably the hardest thing is that, You know, I don't get to be so involved in the day-to-day stuff that they're all doing all the time. But at the same time, there's a beauty in that because when we visit, it's very concentrated. And so it's like, you know, it's a sleepover for a week or for two weeks or something. Whereas I think when you live a mile away from each other, you kind of take that for granted.
1: Yeah, you definitely do or I live really far. I'm from California, so I live pretty far too. But getting to see like my friends interact with their family, it's kind of like they just don't even think about it, you know. But when we go home now, we're like, this is so awesome. I want to soak up every single moment with you and you just you definitely do take it for granted. That's so true.
0: I think that it's kind of cool though because it does become like a celebration. I'm sure your kids have noticed over time they're like, "Oh, this is where we get to go spend time like this section of time in with raising kids and now you are no longer in Kentucky." So where are you now? And kind of talk about how that a transition happened with having kiddos. So we um, we left Kentucky right when I found out that I was pregnant with my first
2: son. We, we decided to take a job in Oregon. Um, and within the same week, we found out we were pregnant. So it was just like, hey, one more thing on the, <laughs> on the plate. So I always say it's funny because we lived in Oregon and, and my husband was doing, um, he was running this international program where they brought the best um, high school players over from China. And they just did this full immersion program. And so really what they did is this massive facility, literally in the woods of Oregon, and they did it very purposefully. They would have a lot of NBA players out there too, but it was very uh, purposefully out way down the Mackenzie River so that when these athletes were all there, there were no distractions. So there was nothing for me to do, but hibernate and be <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> So that's what I did. And then we actually bumped around a little bit. We ended up in Dallas for a little while, which is where we had our second child. So we've got two boys. And then when they were four and five, we moved to San Antonio. And that's where we've been ever since, which in the coaching world, kind of wild to really have raised our kids here in San Antonio. For us, it, it was really, you know, just such a kind of a beautiful, perfect storm because we had two boys who are 13 months apart because when you have a five-month-old you look at your husband and you say let's have another and that was totally planned not even a little bit so we have these two boys and they're really really close in age and they both love basketball as you know dad coaches basketball they love basketball So they grew up at Trinity University, which is where my husband coaches now. He's the head women's basketball coach. He transitioned from men's to women's. And the boys have just grown up on that gym floor, literally thinking that Trinity is their backyard. It's <laughs> it's their playground. You know, everybody knows them, you know, it's division three. So during, you know, all of my husband's halftimes, the boys would go out there and shoot and, you know, shoot, shoot the hoops. And they were the entertainment, <laughs> you know, and now that they're getting older, they're um, 13 and 14. So now rather than them being the cute little guys running around, they literally go to practice with Cameron's team now. So they get to go and practice with the women's team as part of their training for as basketball players. So we're lucky that our boys love sports and that um, they're athletic and that they're active because it, it just makes for just a really perfect, nice little world that we get to live in.
1: Yeah. And then you mentioned this during our class too, but you have like a whole coaching world surrounding you. Like everybody in your family and extended family is all coaches. So how did that work out? Well, my sister
2: married a guy who's a wrestling coach up in Jersey. And that was, that was really just shockingly kind of just ended up, (laughs) wow. Okay. Another coach. But my husband is obviously a coach. His two brothers are both basketball coaches And his dad, longtime NBA and professional coach. So, you know, really nice that we all get it. We all get each other. We all get, you know, the highs and the lows, the expectations. You know, it's nice that nobody's ever... No one's ever judging anyone for not being able to show up to something or, you know, being able to be at something. And certainly we're able to really be excited for each other when there are changes and there's new things. And, you know, now that my father-in-law is retired, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, you know, they just they just follow the three sons and all of their games. And <laughs> so they're watching basketball every day. So it's it's a busy time of year right now.
1: Yeah. So do you have a good community within basketball coaches wise? Because obviously with football, we have like a million coaches, but we always forget like basketball doesn't have that many coaches. So is there like a community or what does that look like?
2: Not really here at Trinity and, you know, in San Antonio, what is our, uh, we've got Division One. we have UTSA, and then I believe Incarnate Word has switched over to Division One, if I'm not mistaken. But um, really, there's not a lot of big Division I schools. Probably the biggest thing that you're going to have is in Austin, um, University of Texas, obviously. And then, you know, Division Three by no means has anywhere near the amount of coaches. It's my husband and then he has an assistant coach. So there's only two of them on staff. And then you'll have your grad assistants or some volunteer assistants. And my husband's assistant coach younger guy, and he was you know he was dating his girlfriend for a while, so they just recently actually got married, so now he officially has a coach, his wife, so you know definitely at the division three level, not a big community yeah you're you're
0: a little bit on your
2: own, but you know we've been established so I actually teach at Trinity University. So my husband's the head women's basketball coach. And then I, I teach in the physical education department. So I teach yoga and fitness classes. So it's nice. And Trinity is a very small school, about uh, under 3,000 students there. But it's nice because I know a lot of the students through the classes that I teach. I do know a lot of the other coaches and the people who are there. So where they may not be coaches' wives or basketball wives or significant others, there is a great little Trinity community.
0: Yeah, that's important. Yeah, that's really cool. And I know that you mentioned, you said that your husband switched from men's to women's basketball. So I feel like that is a whole different coaching way because we operate obviously very differently. And so with having that connection with the players, how have you seen kind of the difference? Do you feel like you can actually connect a little bit closer with the women players than you did like with the men? Or how did you feel that difference, I guess? you know what that is
2: it's probably it's a little difficult to sort of compare you know Mm -hmm. apples to apples and oranges to oranges in just in terms of who and where I was when Mm -hmm. Cameron was coaching men I was 24 not very much older than the other Mm -hmm, players mm -hmm. so I felt like it was only appropriate to keep a distance and to make sure that there was never anything that was misinterpreted or misconstrued or anything along those lines. So I was very. Very professional <laughs> and and being new to it. You know, I just wanted to make sure that I was always doing the right thing. If, if Cameron were coaching women at the time when I was young and closer to the students and the student athletes ages, you know, I, I don't know that it would have been tremendously different. I think I'm so much older now that I feel like more of a mother figure. Mm-hmm. And if Cameron were coaching men, they would be so significantly younger that I could feel more of that <laughs> sort of mother hen. But when you're 24 and the players are 21, you're kind of like, hey, don't make eye contact.
0: <laughs> I have felt that. I remember when we first moved to Kansas, I remember I had just turned I was 24 at the time. And I remember that the players, they were like, you know, 18, 19. And, and you know, they're saying, yes, ma'am. And I was like. I were very close in age. (laughs) I was like, "This is a little weird." So I did the same thing.
1: So I want to talk about you know being a cycle instructor because obviously that's how we met you, and you know you were just Ashley and I talked about it after it was like mind blowing because you're just very powerful motivational speaker as well. So how did you kind of come across this passion of yours, and how did you dive into being an instructor?
2: It was another one of those things where. As a um, a coach's wife, you you bounce around and you just realize that you have to be open. You have to be open to opportunities. If the if the president of the communications company wants to bring you in for an interview for sports anchor, (laughs) roll with it. You just kind of go for it. So when we moved to San Antonio, I I didn't do anything because the boys were little and I kind of you know I was a mom at home. And actually, Trinity is what opened me up to start teaching in the fitness industry. So because I was a dancer and I was a dance instructor for so long, they said, "Okay, well, you know, do you want to teach some dance classes or some yoga classes? And so I started teaching at Trinity and I just started upping my game as a fitness instructor and getting certifications that way. And I had never done the indoor cycle before. But what I liked to do as I was easing into the fitness industry and away from instructing dance, is that I, during the semester breaks and during the summer, I would get like a group on for whatever studio, you know, was around and just kind of started, you know, studio hopping and checking out new places. And one of them happened to be Joyride. And so I went in and I started taking some classes and I loved it. I loved it because I got to essentially dance, but without the wear and tear on your body. Um, And the way that Joyride's formatted, unlike some other cycle formats, is that we really do use the music. And I just loved that. So I took classes for, uh, you know, probably about a month or or so. And then I was kind of getting ready to go back into the semester. And Kelly, the lead instructor, we were having a conversation and she just was like, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I actually teach fitness. (laughs) And she goes, do you want to be an instructor? (laughs) I said, well, I never did cycle before. And she said, we got you, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, she, uh, so she hired me and, and trained me and that was that now I love it.
0: Yeah, I I remember Brittany and I like looked at each other at one point in the class and we were like dying and smiling though because at the same time you were like on the bike, off the bike, dancing. I mean, I just the energy was just incredible. So I think you do an amazing job at teaching cycle. And I want to talk about your fitness journey, pausing and taking a pause when you find out you had breast cancer. So let's talk about that a little bit. And You continually kept working out and teaching, didn't you, during that whole process? So can you kind of talk about that a little bit? I did. Okay,
2: so last year, around March, I uh, noticed a lump and you know you're kind of like it's i'm 40 plus and they usually say oh you know those lumps everything's gonna change the little bumps are gonna come along and um most likely it's nothing most likely it's nothing and so i said okay well i don't i don't know let's go to the mammogram and i'd only had one mammogram so far and i went in and they said well we don't like the way it looks let's get a biopsy okay get the biopsy and then you get that 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 phone call and they let you know and <laughs> Oddly enough, it was at the end of April. So we were in the off season. So quite convenient as far as timing (laughs) goes. And then with all of the stuff that was going on with COVID, there were a lot of recruiting things that Cameron actually didn't have to go and do. So we were really lucky that we found out at the end of April and we were going to go right into chemotherapy. And I did that and the way they had me scheduled for chemotherapy was that I was going to do eight sessions and they were going to be two weeks apart. And I just called up Kelly and I said, Here's the deal. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know how I'm gonna feel, but let's just take it one day at a time if everybody's okay with that. And I am so blessed that we have just such an incredible community of instructors at Joyride and our riders that really just said, Okay, let's do this. We're we're right here with you. And whatever you need, we got you. And so I got my first chemotherapy session, Um, obviously I got a sub for the next day and then I taught the day after. (laughs) uh, You know, I mean, I didn't teach full out, certainly wasn't the level that you guys got at at class, but um, you know, I think that movement is medicine. Mm -hmm. I think that we can all sort of sit still and be... And, and let kind of fear and concern overtake us and paralyze us. But the more we can move, the more our body can recover, actually, and the more our minds and our hearts can recover. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the, the schedule that I kept with. Every time I had a session on a Tuesday, I would teach my 5.30 a.m. class and then I would go and get chemotherapy around nine, <laughs> go home, oh take God. a nap. I wouldn't teach the next day, but then I was able to always go back by Thursday. Wow.
0: So what does that feel like? So when you go in and you do chemotherapy, I know that it's draining. And then I know that there is a bunch of side effects that you can feel. But for you, what did you feel? You hear all the stories, but I want to hear firsthand what you felt.
2: So the way that mine was scheduled was I did the AC and I'm not going to try to pronounce what they are for (laughs) you, but we did four sessions of the AC and then we did four sessions of the Taxol. And so those are just different medications that you do and they each come with their own side effects. And as you went through it, as I went through it, I don't think any session was the same, you know, and that's, you know, you have the first one and just when you think, oh, okay, this is how it's gonna go, you go to the second one and it's not quite the same. So I really, um, I front loaded with nutrition like a crazy woman, just, I mean, greens, 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 organic food, staying away from sugar, really trying to be as pristine as I possibly could be. And I think that that helped because then I would have the chemotherapy, you would get a steroid. And by the time I would get home, within like in an hour or two, the steroid would wear off. And very, very tired, very heavy, a very mm-hmm. heavy tired and uncomfortable. So sleeping wasn't always helpful or, 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 or I wasn't really able to get a good night's sleep because I was always sort of a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You also had the side effect of very metallic taste in your mouth so you're a little nauseous and now you have a terrible taste in your mouth there were days where i didn't even want water like that's how really bad the the taste was Mm -hmm. but i i knew that i had been so good on the front end with my nutrition that i was never freaking out about oh my gosh i don't have enough nutrition or i'm you know if, if i'm tired i'll rest and when i feel better again i'll be able to eat again and so those one to two days where i really didn't feel good. I just didn't try to force anything mm-hmm. and and that was okay. I never got sick where they talk about chemotherapy, where you would get like violently ill. I never got to that point. It was very, very lucky. I tried to be as, like I said, pristine with my nutrition and my water intake so that some of the really not so fun side effects, which Sores, mouth sores, constipation, things like that. I I didn't have. I did not. So lucky, and I really I, I think a lot of that was because I was able to get the nutrition, and then I was also able to get the workout in, and I would sweat a lot and mm-hmm. sweat a lot of the the bad stuff out, and that's how I was able to get through it.
1: Wow, that's crazy. I I can't. I applaud you for doing that. That's just amazing. So, how long did you do chemotherapy for? So
2: I did it for, so it was eight treatments and they were each two weeks apart. So my first one was at the end of May and my last treatment was August 31st.
1: Wow. And then your husband was able to be there with you like the whole time. Yeah, he was there. There were no, you know, he had his assistant who
2: went on a few recruiting trips, but like I said, a lot of stuff had been pulled back anyway. So there was really minimal stuff that he was missing. He wasn't really missing out on stuff.
1: What was that like after so after you finish your chemotherapy and then trying to get back into, you know, normal, quote unquote life, like what did that look like for you? It,
2: it was pretty seamless. I mean, the, maybe one of the more difficult thing was or, you know, I had told my my joyride community, like I said, at the end of April and at Trinity, the semester had just finished, so I didn't have any classes over the summer. So now we were going into the fall semester and here I was, I don't have any hair and um, I'm going to go in and teach these, you know, young students their yoga class. And you kind of have to go in and meet them and say, well, nice to meet you. I noticed, you know, (laughs) notice the hair or lack thereof. (laughs) So that was a little bit challenging just in that. The yoga class for them at Trinity. Trinity is a very high level academic school, and the yoga is just really supposed to be a time for them to just unplug, check out, you know, recharge. And I didn't want to stress them out, you know, (laughs) by being. You know by appearing maybe you know unsettling you know because that can be unsettling for people and so you know i would always wear a bandana and just try to be you know not too in anyone's face about it but once chemo was over on august 31st i you know i just got stronger and stronger every day there really wasn't anything that i needed to i didn't need to build back a a tremendous amount Mm -hmm. you know i don't really feel like i lost a lot i guess
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I think that your mindset is incredible because I know that a lot of people find out news and it can set them back and make them sit. And instead, you chose to fight and be positive. Was there ever any point in time where you were like, I don't know what's going to happen? Or did you just always like, that was not an option. I'm just always going to look forward and know that I'm going to be okay, like at the end of all this. I never said I was sick. Wow.
2: Not once. I was never sick. And I really wasn't other than, you know, right after the chemo, um, and having to deal with the, the nausea and and the taste and, but that went away pretty quickly. You know, it was like, get up, go take a walk. It'll pass. And it did. And you know, when, when you sit down and you tell your kids, you know, stuff like that, it's not an option. I'm going to be okay.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, mommy's not sick. Mm -hmm. Mommy's going to be fine and I will make sure of it. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry, but (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's, that's. that's big thing. There's no choice. You don't look at your kids and say, I don't know how this is going to turn out.
0: No, I think that's, that's an incredible mindset because I just, I know that some people could choose the opposite, but you just persevered and just showed so much strength. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Yeah. I just love the way too,
1: that you, you pushed us on the bike and kind of brought that up as well. And that's how we even knew, you know, about your journey and everything, because you had mentioned, you know, you're beautiful no matter what, and you have to keep pushing through days that you don't feel like you want to keep pushing and I think that's so important to remember like there's a lot of times where you get up and you're like eh, I don't feel like working out or eh, I don't feel like doing that but you have to remember like you're alive and you have that opportunity to do so and so you are definitely the image of that and you definitely kept us pushing in that class and in general so thank you for that.
2: Yeah, I didn't, you know, and I tried to find the right balance of, you know, being able to stay positive myself and motivate because that's my job, Mm -hmm. you know, share my story, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't want to be a cause and I didn't want to be like a poster child. So, you know, I'm always trying to be very cognizant of like not throwing it in people's faces, but I certainly don't want to ignore it. But yeah, I don't, I don't want that to be what I lead with. And I think for Mm -hmm. some women who've had breast cancer they they do really identify and that's their identity and they want to be that person. I think it's, it's a part of my story, but it's not who I am. And so yeah. the, the great thing is it's in the past now.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's totally a different chapter. When you went through all the things that you have gone through so far, what do you, what do you think you learned from that chapter though, most about just life in general? Like if you were to go back and reflect, I think it's, I think it's let people in because I think
2: that there's, and, and tying this into being a coach's wife, you know, you you move around a lot and you sort of have to protect yourself a little bit. You know, how much do you want to invest in relationships and friendships and how do I want to go find new friends and then only to turn out that maybe they weren't as awesome as I thought, mm-hmm. or then you move away and you never talk to them again. And, you know, doing a lot of that, it, it's hard to find the balance of of investing time, effort, energy, you know, and, and letting people in and, you know, obviously with with Karen's job, I was always, you know, his his job is first, we go to all of his games, we move if we have to things like that. But when I told the joyride community in particular about my diagnosis, I, the, the humanity, the beauty, the love that people just open arms, they gave me the support. I mean, let that in, let, let, people, let people come into your life, let them be who and whatever they're going to be, but don't always be so concerned with protecting yourself. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. what I learned. Just, you know, let, let, let people in more.
1: That's good. We always ask this at the end of every interview. And if you were able to go back in time and tell yourself just starting out in this industry, something that you've learned, what would that be? Or somebody maybe that's just starting out, if you were to talk to them, what would you tell them?
2: You know i mean obviously similar to what i just said you know be be open to the adventure you know Mm -hmm. because that's what it is and you could you can move from new york city to lexington and you can pout about it and i always say now that you know lexington i feel bad for lexington because i didn't really you know take advantage of it this beautiful you know, horse country out there. And I was, you know, busy pouting, because it wasn't New York City. And so, <laughs> you know, really just be open to the adventure, be open to the people, you know, ride the highs and, and hunker down for the lows, because they're all going to be there, but as they are in everybody's life. I, I, I still look forward to the opportunities out there and the adventures. You know, we, we may stay here forever, we may not, who knows, but just be open to the adventure.
0: Yeah, I love that answer. I appreciate you coming on here, Brittany and I both do. We were so excited to have you on and if our listeners want to find you, where can they find you on Instagram? What is your tag name? You can find me um, chill8903.
2: So that's Colleen Hill, chill. (laughs) Cameron is a chill. Our two sons are Cole and Chase. They're chill also. So we're all chill. So it's easy to remember. So
1: chill8903. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that's listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast.
1: You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest
0: updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See
1: you next time.